0: to a 9 to5.cc podcast hey everyone welcome back to a brand new episode of the 925 entertainment system uh, if you enjoy the 9to5 entertainment system, and you want us to keep going, and you want to give us money, if all of those things apply to you, you can do that on patreon.com slash 9to5cc. Uh, you could sign up for a dollar a month, $3 a month, $5 a month, uh, whatever you would like to give to us. We really would appreciate it. Um, but if you don't want to do that, just maybe tell your friends about the show, and that would be cool too. Uh, we talk about uh, the Snowbirds, um, the Canadian... Uh, armed forces version of the snowbirds, not the people that go to Florida. Uh, we talk about, the, which leads into Dangerous Professions. We also talk briefly about The Dawn Wall. Uh, we talk about the alien franchise, uh, including 1979's Alien and also Gordon Gibson's Alien 3 that never got made. We talk about the film Underwater, which may as well be an alien movie. Uh, John does not watch The Love Guru. We also talk about movies that came out in 1999, like The 13th Warrior. All this in one.
1: I need to take a nap in the middle. You can see it.
0: Yeah. In all of the uh, the messing around with our technology today, yeah. I, I, somehow I lost the ability to connect either of my two cameras, so I was like, I'm going to stop messing around with it. <laughs> it has my voice right now, and I can hear you guys, so I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> ah, welcome back to a brand new episode of a podcast where three guys sit in front of computers and talk about nerd stuff.
1: Yeah, nerd stuff. Oh wait, yeah. nerd stuff.
0: So no, I was no. telling I was telling Scott while we were uh, getting ready to record the show, I um, the snowbirds flew over Montreal about a week and a half ago and I was like I took a note of it. I was like, "Man, I want to talk about the snowbirds on the podcast." And it's wait, like, "Did
2: you pick a good time to do that?"
0: You know? And I was like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun. I'm going to be able to, like, relive some of my childhood memories of my dad taking me to air shows and stuff. And uh, because 2020 is 2020 and you can't have nice things, uh, one of the snowbirds died doing the Operation Inspiration flyby in B.C.
2: I understand that um, one of them died last year as well. Is that possible? It's, It's something like there's been like seven
0: fatalities total and two of them have been in the last six months. Like, so
2: seven fatalities since when? Like the seventies. Out of how many people? Uh,
0: there's been a lot of snowbirds. Man, they've been a. Uh... That's what I was saying. Like, I, we, my dad used to take me to air shows and stuff. They were founded in 1954 as a military aerobatics air show flight force demonstration of the Royal Canadian Air Force. So maybe not seven fatalities total, but I think I think you're right
2: that it was seven. That's the number I read as well. The um. <clears throat> I know, and, man.
0: Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And uh, this would be the ninth. This will be the ninth fatality total. And I and that's counting um like I guess maybe bystanders or whatever. Like I don't know if they ever cl- crashed into anything. Right. But yeah, and there's been and that's two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like I I would say there's been about like twenty twenty something accidents
1: in sixty six years
0: yeah well yeah since nineteen seventy one was when they had the first uh and they started doing air shows so to yeah, like, me
2: like buying fighter jets and doing fancy stunts is real fucking dangerous okay,
0: but I mean like so is like
2: racing cars
0: right ra- yeah, exactly car racing like f1 racing we do that all, like all the all the time
2: I, mean, I guess that's true, but the like consequences for bystanders? There's, for i don't know man probably been the a rocket lot of jets
1: it. are way more expensive than a, a race car. Yeah, but some of those race cars crashed into the crowd. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah.
0: I would say that probably for bystanders, it's probably way more dangerous to be at an F1 race than watching an air show. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: Fair. Oh, hold on. Wasn't it the uh, – was it dancing? The crazy disaster that killed like 70 people or something in Germany at an air show?
1: Maybe? Yeah, just getting really close and watching very powerful machines is not the safest pastime.
0: Yeah, Exactly. I guess I, I feel there's like a bunch of things that we do in society that is like needlessly dangerous, like bungee jumping and stuff. <laughs> like considering the number the number of flights that these they like, so they had their one thousandth air show in
3: 1990.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. So I'm like, if you if if they kept that pace, they've had two thousand air shows and only like 20 accidents. That's like significantly safer to be a snowbird's pilot than it is to like. Snowboard, snowboard. Yeah, probably.
1: You guys like, are really doing do? that
2: snowboarding and snowbirds.
1: Sure, <laughs> it's comedy. Come on, that was word an fired punchline right off the cuff.
0: You come here for the macabre wordplay. I mean, I guess so. But yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is like, I don't think it's one of those like, oh, the, they're like it is. It is obviously. I mean, like, I don't know if you watch them fly over Montreal or not, but I didn't catch it. Okay, like they do that signature like nine plane diamond thing, and that was the that's like the signature like snowbird maneuver is them mm-hmm. like all in a diamond. That's the 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 pose that was on the poster, the snowbird poster that we had in my house as a child. I think it was in my brother's room. I want to say, and it's like they're so close, like the level of like insane precision, and they're like taking a big like banking turn with nine planes. Like, less than a plane width apart, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't think, like, me and eight friends could run in close formation and, like, you know, maneuver without bumping into each other.
2: In in light of all the deaths, is it all worth it? And, like, all the money? The crash mm-hmm. planes? I just I mean, well,
0: then just cancel it. car racing is, like, basically my answer to that. Like, well, there's, like, way, way, way more. And like deaths in car racing, then we should definitely not like do that on a per capita basis. I mean, on a per capita basis.
2: Well, there's way more race car drivers.
0: Sure, but maybe there aren't way more like pilots. Yeah, yeah, we're saying cancel the snowbirds or cancel air shows. I'm sure. there's a lot of dude.
2: Well, maybe there's a problem with the snowbirds in particular then. I don't, maybe I don't know anything about the statistics about this, but if you say seven of these guys died in like 30 years, 60 years, I don't know, that sounds like a lot of them. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think the statistics are going to be pretty high for air travel in general. Like maybe we shouldn't just fly.
2: Well, no, that's not true. Air travel in general is the safest means of
1: transportation. Well, seven people
2: I'm died not joking. Because... I mean, that seriously, like in a in a like fatal accident to per-kilometer basis, air travel is way safer than driving, walking.
1: Yeah, but we've and got... I doubt not train, to
2: tell you the truth, but you never know.
1: We have webcams and microphones <sighs> that work instantly. Do you really need to go there? Just sit on your desk. You're fine. There's
0: apparently there's been, I think, like...
1: I, I guarantee there's been significantly less air fatalities in the last month
0: in formula one i think there's been about 50 deaths since the
2: 50s
1: of drivers. okay
0: yeah and then
1: how many formula
2: one races slash race car drivers are there less than
0: there's probably been less than two thousand formula one races since 1990 right there's about 20 a year
1: not even that
0: yeah so like that's way more dangerous if they did if they did 2000 flights in 20 years and then they and then in 1990 they had had like whatever the heck it was like seven or five or six fatalities and then there's a, I think at most no yeah there's less there's like 16 F1 races a year mm-hmm. and and they're still racking up like deaths on a way higher basis considering just like the sheer volume of like and it's like about a field of about 20 plus cars and then there's nine uh, snowbirds and there's two people in each car. It's about the same formula one way more fatal. About 20 people involved doing it. And, and it's, a, and that's like an international pastime. Like that's a huge thing. Like it's not even like a niche thing. Formula one is just like, yeah, sometimes people die. Like as recently as like two years ago, the the most recent death in formula one was like 2017. then the one before that was like 2014. It wasn't like they've had like a very long stretch of, not people dying in this sport—that's just considered to be like one of the beautiful sports of the planet—and
1: including two champions, like two of the best drivers in the world, have died while racing.
2: Okay, something about this sounds fishy to me, but I, I don't—I don't see the path through I mean, it, so I'm going to consider I mean, this one. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, is I feel like,
0: like it's Scott, I think said it kind of at the top, like where. Like the when you take a machine and you tune it up to over nine thousand and you make it go real fast, when something goes wrong, it goes real dies. wrong. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it's just like pro wrestling, right? Like uh, it was watching Dark Side of the Ring and like D'Lo Brown, who's probably done how many power bombs in his career, like thousands. Like an mm-hmm. accomplished, safe wrestler slipped up once and and broke Draw's his neck. You know, so sure. it's like because guess what? Like is the solution. Don't do power bombs? Probably. That's a weird thing that we make people do for our entertainment, but it's not like inherently. Don't awesome they anymore. not do those anymore? Power bombs? No, they do power bombs all the time, man. Yeah.
1: So uh, you're thinking pile drivers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Power, power bomb is
0: considered to be like one of the safest moves, like ever. You just kind of, I mean, like you fall down and smack your back, and you tuck your chin. Like it's like, uh, what do you call it? May Young took a power bomb off a. Off the stage, through a table, and she was eighty something. (laughs) Like, and she was fine. (laughs) But yeah, I, I I don't know. It's, I I hear what you're saying, and I and I understand that it's like a very easy way to just be like, stop doing dangerous things. But, like, I don't know. It's it it's just weird. Like so much like so much of our entertainment and stuff is like. Has anyone ever? Someone must have at least been crippled by a fastball in baseball. Like
1: yeah, people have died. There's people have died from taking one to the head.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. So we're like, stop playing baseball because we're throwing balls at each other at 100 miles an hour. Like,
1: there are several confirmed cases of people being killed while playing paintball. Jeez.
0: <laughs> like the the made up gun sport.
1: Mm-hmm. shoot oh. glob like bath beads at you and you die.
0: Yeah. But anyway, I think yeah, a huge bummer when the snowbirds were like. Let's give Canada uh, like a, a nice little air show and stuff. And then they made it all the way across the entire country and out in BC. Uh, yeah. And like, she was also an astronaut, Captain Jen Casey, say She was like, officially, she was a public affairs officer of the snowbird. She was flying in the tutor and yeah. And was like, I think also a, yeah, also a journalist and, was like she didn't go to space, but was part of like was part of our astronaut program,
3: right?
0: And yeah, that's yeah, nuts. But yeah, I don't know if you saw the getting real dark. I guess yeah, it was Scott and I were just like watching the footage. Like something just goes real wrong. Even it's not even like this is one of their like, and that's the other thing too. At least I don't know if you've seen the footage yet, John. No, but I actually I, haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it looks like a engine failure. Like, you could have gone up, up in a casual flight and that would have just happened. Like, it takes sure. off, it kind of banks up, and then it drops out of the sky like a stone. Well, those planes are from the 60s, right? I mean, they're kept very well in shape. They're CT-114 Tutors. Yeah. That, yeah, they were designed in the 60s and officially were retired in the 2000s, but I'm sure those things are kept top-notch, dude. Like, uh, you know, except when they when are not. Yeah, but I mean, that's true of anything. Like, you drive a classic car and the engine dies. Like, it doesn't mean that you didn't put the upkeep on the classic car. Like, I I, I hear what you're saying. Again, I hear what you're saying. But it's like half of how many planes do we have in the sky that were built in the like '80s and stuff? Like, anyway, it sucks. Maybe they need to upgrade the upgrade the plane that they're flying around in. I can't imagine that the, like, the military is flying around with, like, not at least top-tier planes on their, like, stunt plane.
2: I'm pretty sure the Canadian military is underfunded and probably flying around old things. Aren't we famous for buying second-hand war equipment? Like, our helicopters are all second-hand and the, like, submarines that keep catching on fire from Britain. Yeah, but those aren't stunt helicopters.
0: I mean, okay, I don't know. I feel like keeping twelve planes in shape is something that we could do without like a ton of money. But anyway, but yeah, yeah. I'm, if you watch the if you watch the footage though, it's yeah. literally just like some kind of a takeoff thing. It just like it climbs and then drops out of the air like a stone. Like yeah, they, they weren't it, it wasn't it in, like time,
1: they weren't in formation. They weren't. Yeah, like you look trying at, to pull off something crazy. They just were taking off. Something went wrong with the engine, and yeah. the pilot tried to pull up to get a little altitude rather than crash right away, and then everything just stopped working yeah. on the plane.
0: And yeah. it falls falls right out of the air. It's crazy. Like, it's, um...
1: Like I like read that they
0: were
2: actually very capable gliding planes. And they were yeah. trying to, to get altitude so that they could glide it through a safe, uh, like a safe landing, know, relatively safe landing. Yeah. But um, they couldn't get enough altitude and they kind of stalled in the climb. And Yeah. The, and I, That's kind
0: it. of what it looks like. It looks like it's just like if though he was like, oh, crap, my engine's conking out, but I don't have enough. I'm going to pull up. And then it just yeah. completely stalls out. Like... Cause yeah, they're they're teeny, well, teeny, tiny. They're pretty tiny little planes that could like drop like a glider kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's like there's not like a ton of weight behind them. So yeah, but yeah, like if you look at some of the other accidents and stuff, like the that the Snowbirds had, you see they're like wings touching in formation and stuff, and you're like that's you're like yeah, that's crazy. But this is just like that, or like not crazy, but you're like that's a that's a hey, people died because you were doing a flippy spinny thing. This was just. People died because, or a person died because of the plane conked out. You know, like, still sucks. But, ah, uh, did you ever guys? Did your parents ever take you to air shows as kids, or is that just like me with my like gearhead dad?
1: I saw the Snowbirds once. Yeah, they had an air show like in Mirabelle or something, and I went once when I was a kid. Mm-hmm.
2: John, it was a long, no man, long my parents up. were pretty strongly anti-military. They mm-hmm. wouldn't have. Uh... Yeah, anti-military. Yeah, because I remember at least.
0: But I mean, like when they went to air shows, like the Snowbirds were usually like a featured part of an otherwise air show. Like I remember old like propeller planes and like uh, like biplanes and stuff were also involved in the air show. So, and they were just kind of the like the main event
3: sort of
0: thing. I never, at least as as a child, and I understand I understand that the only reason that there is a, a Snowbirds is basically like a recruitment tactic for the armed forces. That's it. Like, basically. But as a child, that was, like, that was not what I thought of air shows. Of course. I, like, I was just, like, stunt planes, you know, like. like How many beginning. times did you go? I mean, my dad used to own a plane, or his, my grandfather, I should say, owned a plane, and my dad was actually working towards getting his pilot license. And I feel that there was, like, there were, like, small air shows up uh like pretty frequently, and then I remember like the 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 snowboard one or we either went to the snowboards once or twice, and they were like really big ones, but it was like we went to several air shows, but a lot of them were just kind of like a couple of old uh like biplanes and stuff that would kind of do the like pass and, like a little barrel roll here and there, still very cool, not like nine jets flying in formation, like jaw dropping cool kind of stuff
3: like mm-hmm.
0: you know it's like a perfect cartwheel is cool, but it's no like. Jeff Hardy doing a swanton off the cage. <laughs>
1: I That's just right. remember it being like a really hot day out in the middle of nowhere. Not really wanting to participate at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how old were you? Were you like seven, six, seven? Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: But then when, when it happened, were you like, ooh, were you just like, I'm hot and this sucks?
1: Probably. Probably I'm hot and this sucks. I have no fond memories of this air show.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, long, hot day out in the sun, and then you watch something fly by really quickly for four seconds. Yeah. Huh.
0: <laughs> I will say that that is like the number one reason why I could never. Like, when people who go to like F1 racing live and they're like, oh, I sat on the big turn, and I'm like, and then you see a car be like, whoo! And then you're like, cool. I guess I'll watch the rest of this race from this screen. Oh, here, car's coming
2: again.
3: Woo. Like,
2: I that—that mean, that is the experience, right? I've never actually been, but I've always imagined there's somewhat more to it than that. No, no,
1: <laughs> and it's very loud and very hot.
0: Yeah, it's extremely loud. Like on the big, um, the—is uh, it the Senna turn or whatever, or the like the big turn with the giant grandstand on the Montreal one? Like mm-hmm. the place where if you like, it's like the considered to be like the best, like medium expensive seats, which I'm sure still probably like three or four hundred dollars to sit there for the weekend. And it's like you're basically, yeah, like you're sitting in a grandstand and you can see only a tiny stretch of the track live. And then the rest of it, you're just watching it on the big screen. Like, and you're like, oh crap, they're coming to our turn. And then you can look down and watch them zip around for a split second because they're going like 200 miles an hour or whatever. And then off they go. And then you look at the screen again.
1: I can't believe you pulled it. It is the Senna turn of your age.
0: Gearhead dead, man. Gearhead dead. <laughs> Some of that stuff just rubs off.
1: <laughs> back, back to the start of the show, Ayrton Senna was one of the two champion F1 racers to die while racing. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the other one being uh, Quebec Saint Gilles Villeneuve, no? No. No?
1: No. Gilles Did uh, didn't die racing? I German did. racer cock.
0: Uh, I really thought Gilles Villeneuve died racing.
1: How did Gilles you, Villeneuve if, die? If he did die racing, it wasn't F1.
2: Maybe you're confusing him with another uh, Quebec racer? I don't know, man. He don't oh no, he it's I. I
0: maybe it doesn't count because he uh died during the qualifying round of the nineteen eighty two Belgian Grand Prix, so he didn't die in a race. Technically, but was a Canadian Um, and maybe he didn't ever won a
1: championship. Yeah, that's probably it. He was an F1 champion.
0: Yeah, he won six Grand Prix races in a short career. Okay, yeah, so that's it. So, but he He only raced four seasons. Yeah, he raced four seasons. Yeah,
1: man. He died going 230 kilometers an hour. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh yeah, there you go. But still, high-profile racer. He finished second in 1979. So, like in his second year of pro racing, he finished second in the uh, in the standings.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: Thirteen podiums, six wins. Like in a five-year career, that's like that ain't nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's going fast. Yep.
0: Yeah. Nuts. Nuts. But I think, and I don't know. I guess this might sound. Uh, What's the word? What's the word? Like, I feel like you know what you're getting into when you, like, take on either of these professions. You know, you're like, I'm going to drive a car professionally at 140 miles an hour every weekend. Or I'm going to, like, fly a jet professionally, like, five feet away from other jets, like, tuned up to infinity. Like, you know that if there's something goes wrong in your profession, it's not like working in an office. You know, like not to say that you're planning and you're not like I welcome death, but like, and you're obviously going to do everything you can to be as safe about it as possible. But like, there's something I feel that happens when you embark into these careers where you know that that's something that is a possibility where it's not a possibility in a lot of other careers, be it like F1 driver, uh, uh aerobatics pilot or like pro wrestler, or even like just professional athlete. Like there's, hockey players have died playing the game and whatever and you get injuries and your body gets beaten the heck out of like there's a nobody i mean not to say maybe people do force, but i don't think anybody gets like forced into these professions for the most part they're pretty niche professions you need to be like they're also
2: crazily competitive right people people at each other to get into these
0: yeah that's, that's what i'm saying and it's like you need to you have to be like you have to desire that Outcome, like the, not not death, but like the perfect, like you're. I'm going to do this, and it's going to be my singular devotion to get to this level. You know, and you're like,
1: eh. I mean, my go-to comparable is mountain climbing.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It, does yep. it does nothing. it does? It's not even entertaining to watch. Like the other things we're talking about, it's entertaining is. to watch. watch. The
2: documentary about that dude climbing the Dawn Wall. Go Normally. go watch that goddamn documentary. The dude is like a human spider. And his crazy ass life gets one of his fingers mostly cut off. And he climbs up this wall that, if you looked at it, you would be like, it's just, it's like a sheer cliff. And it takes him over two weeks to go the whole way up it. And he, he lives his whole life on the side of it. It's an incredible story. Whoa. Uh, the Dawn Wall? The Dawn Wall, D A W N, because it's like this enormous mountain in Yellowstone that's lit perfectly when the dawn comes. The guy's name is Alex, something or other, and yeah.
1: Oh, was that the Disney documentary?
2: No, 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 no.
0: Is that the wall that uh, Kirk was climbing, or was he actually climbing Mount Rushmore? Uh... What was Kirk climbing in Star Trek Five, guys? (laughs) You know, you know, you know know what I'm talking about. The opening scene in Star Trek Five, which is like the dumbest.
2: Okay, the dude's name was Tommy Caldwell. And um, I'm just going to look for the name of the the documentary because it was so. No, yeah, it's actually called The Dawn Wall. Strongly recommended. Get out and read and look at this guy's story. He he killed a man in Afghanistan, and it's about him. And it's about him climbing a mountain. It's great.
0: Doesn't say it specifically, but it's James T Kirk was climbing a a wall in Yosemite National Park in the opening of Star. On target. Yeah, he
1: has a jetpack on.
0: Star Trek five. What a dumb star Trek. Um, I will, I think I have a bunch of alien related information that we could talk about.
2: (laughs) Really? Is it relevant? (laughs) Is there a new one coming? Uh,
0: well, so Scott actually watched OG alien 1979
1: last night. I,
0: I listened to, uh, last year celebrating the 40th anniversary of, uh, the aliens franchise Um, William Gibson released the second draft of his, he was the original going to write the original script for alien three. And, um, there was a writer strike in 87 or 88. So he had a second draft of a script that he's not like terribly proud of, but he's like, there's been enough, like clamoring for it that he would release it. And then, uh, the people at audible, uh, hired a professional radio drama, uh, director, a guy who's done a bunch of stuff uh, for for the BBC. And they also got like Michael Bean and uh, Lance Henriksen to reprise their roles as Bishop and Hicks. Um, so it's like actual actors from the, from the movie, like reprising their roles on the audio drama. And I also watched um, Underwater, the 2020, 2019 or 2020 film um, starring Kirsten Stewart, who, which is like basically an alien movie underwater. Like it, yeah. it, it's, so, yeah, I was like, I've been kind of living and breathing a lot of Alien stuff. And then Scott watched OG Alien, so I don't know where we want to start. But I got stuff. I got hot Alien content, some of which is, you know. Well, let's start at the beginning. Scott, reason.
1: how was Alien? All right. So Alien is already on the list. It's sitting at number, number five. five. It's yeah. a, uh, a great movie yeah. that I enjoyed watching. I Still think I know you guys disagree with me. I still think I prefer Aliens to Alien. Um, but it was great. It was like it's one of those movies that, looking now, at a movie that's like over forty years old, mm-hmm. looks like it was made now, made to look like it was filmed in the seventies. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so nicely good. shot and 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 um they did so much to hide the fact that we're working with a small budget successfully. I also I just
0: love like the, the visual style, uh also like when they were talking about the design of it with like Ridley Scott and stuff, uh he was like he based himself a lot off of like um like oil rigs and whatever. Yeah. And he was like because everybody's like, it's the future. It's gonna be high tech. It's gonna be slick and whatever. He's like, do you know how much like technology and like Like, oil rigs are these, like, state-of-the-art facilities. And he's like, and you, like, this is, like, the 70s. And you go to them, and you're like, what is happening? (laughs) You know, he's like, nothing is pristine, nothing is clean. They're not walking down, like... Yeah, this is a mining ship, right? Yeah, exactly, that's it. He didn't want that, like, that sci-fi look that was super... Prevalent in the seventies, he's like because he's like I don't except think for that...
1: Star Wars, except for Star Wars,
0: yeah, except for Star Wars, which is definitely the contemporary of it. But like they were yeah. both they were both clearly in production at the same time, right? They were released a year apart, like. Yeah. But yeah, like most of seventy sci-fi had a certain look, and then Star Wars and Alien veer in two veer away from it in different directions, mind you. <laughs> but like, mm-hmm. but one they with, both veer away. One from with it.
1: dust, one with oil stains.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's just I thought it was, and it's. It I find it like it rings true. Like you're like, yeah, like a and what's crazy about that is and again I know you guys slag like friggin' Covenant and Prometheus all you want. Because <laughs> they're not great movies. They're not great movies. But when you look at uh Prometheus, Prometheus has a little bit of the kind of blue-collar look to it, but then also does have those like the pristine spacesuits and all that stuff. Because it's like a Wayland Utani like corporately sponsored mission with the owner of the company on board you know and then you see like in Prometheus they're in like bulkier kind of I mean in Covenant they're in like bulkier like uglier kind of spacesuits and stuff because you're like yeah they don't have the cash that the Prometheus mission had and then you like fast forward further into the future into a mining ship for Alien and you're like and now it looks like the 70s but they actually kind of like mapped the arc of the degrading like look of the tech you know
1: I'll tell you one other thing I noticed watching it that I'm sure we didn't talk about before. Mm. The costume designer for Alien was so on point and so, like, revolutionary for a science fiction movie. Like, giving guys dirty bandanas and Hawaiian shirts and beat up baseball caps. That was not a thing that happened in, in science fiction before that. Yeah, and it made them all look unique and real, and and believable, and like they don't have that shiny mylar chest piece going across their t-shirt at a weird angle. Yeah, they don't look. They don't look like they're dressed like the guys from Logan's Run or Star Trek extras. Like it's great. So good. They, they have bad haircuts, and they have, they,
3: they, look, like, they
0: like I said they they look exactly like a like workers on an oil rig or whatever. It's, like it's
1: it's outstanding. It's yeah, outstanding. And I mean, uh, it becomes
0: an, an immediately immediately kind of makes them I feel like relatable and endearing. Like yeah. you're like yeah, that's the Hawaiian shirt guy,
1: and <laughs> and it makes them characters. Like it's mm-hmm. also all part of their character development. Yeah. You don't have to spend time saying, Oh, this guy, he's a worker, he's been doing this job for twenty years, he's, you know, kinda rough around the edges and he's not paying the closest attention to detail. They just just show it. Yeah. You like you he's know, wearing you know. it, you're like, I get it. I know who that guy is. Oh, um, I love that th- I, I like in more-
2: addition to that when we're talking about these characters being instantly like relatable and believable. So you look at Star Trek and everybody is like on the on the Star Trek Enterprise is like the Borg. They're all like gung-ho for the fucking mission it doesn't matter they're all working together they're all a perfect team these guys they wake up out of cryo sleep and they're like get fucked i am not being paid to do this you know yep Um, (laughs) yes
0: they're like why are we awake early this is garbage oh company wants us to do this and they're like is there more money in it like yeah yeah
2: yeah a plus a plus stuff I think also if I could add one more thing, this is like one of my favorite movies. I rewatch it like routinely. The um the I, I'm constantly struck by how modern the tension in the in the climax is. Like when you think about it, for, like as a thriller, there's not a lot out there that go harder than that until you get to like the I- extreme violence, Alexandre Dijja kind of you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in terms of like a thriller, that that man. That that final scene is amazing.
0: It's really, like, to me, it really is the, like... And I, I know it's a little more niche, but it, it it's kind of the, like... It's the answer to Jaws. Like, everybody was like, can you imagine something scarier than Jaws? And they're, like, <laughs> alien. <Yeah. laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. It's a scary killing machine, and you're trapped on a space station. There's no, like, yeah. sunshine. There's no anything. But it was really, like... I think that everybody, like, moviegoers was Jaws what 77 76 75 75 so yeah like I think like Jaws came out and people were like that is the scariest thing I've ever seen and like Alien was like hold my beer
1: (laughs) when was the last time time you guys saw Jaws Uh, within the last five years yeah probably that that movie's got really good tension in it too yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: oh and 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 I'm it's it's I'm I don't want to diminish Jaws like I'm like it's it's very much a but it almost it's like it's a one upmanship between like directors at the highest level kind of thing, like in terms well, of like how to shoot.
2: Jaws has good tension, okay? But if you want to, you could get out of the water, you know?
3: I'm
0: not saying scenario, I'm saying like directing right. in terms of like how to shoot and film tension. No, I get like, it, I get yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah.
2: it does detract from the tension of the film.
0: Yeah. Right? Whereas in There's an easy solution here, guys. Yeah, in well, Alien, you're like you're screwed, right? Right, <laughs> you know. It's like and and it's tiny. Like the ship is small. Like you yeah. know. Like
2: I think that. Right, anyway, also... so what happened? You watched the the I I, I like Star watching watching, and I never got into the end. So it's a it's another version of Alien Three. It's not another version.
0: So you're you're thinking of the assembly cut. Yeah. This is this exists is is has nothing to do with Alien Three as we know it. Okay. Zero. So uh, Sigourney Weaver had a busy. Uh, career i guess coming up in front of her she had uh, a couple movies including ghostbusters 2 and something else kind of in so the producers of alien uh it's the same producers that have run the entire franchise i forget their name but uh the producers they were like okay we want to make another alien we don't necessarily want it to be ripley heavy we'll have her in it but uh, we don't know what her shooting schedule is going to be like they hire william gibson uh to write a script for them and uh, Gibson decides to lean into like a Cold War allegory kind of film, where they introduce sort of like that there's a, there's the Wayland Utani and the corporation um, that we know of from Alien and Aliens also like further uh, further expands that, and then they talk about the like the United uh, People's Proletariat or something like that, which is like the UPP, which is basically the answer to like if the USSR never disbanded because obviously it was this movie's being written in like 1988 so the cold war was like still on it basically just presupposed like maybe the cold war will go on for like 200 years and just extend into space and just be forever so mm-hmm. it kind of starts talking like the the main kind of crux of it is again it's like the upp again and the corporations are both like sort of trying to harness the xenomorph capabilities and weaponize it while, uh, and basically like, without getting into too many spoilers, like while well, like Hicks and Bishop kind of like wake up and they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Like get out of here. And, uh, they write the Ripley role in such a way that like, she's there, but like, she's like still suffering injuries or whatever from aliens. So she's like mostly in cryosleep. They apparently like wrote it in such a way that she could do, uh, that Sigourney Weaver could have showed up and probably shot it in a weekend kind of thing. Like, so that they could have her for, I guess, bragging rights and leave her open leave, leave her character open for sequels and stuff without necessarily yeah. and
3: like, so what
0: happens over? it's just a good alien story like imagine like they're on one space station uh, like they originally get the the Sulaco which is what they escape aliens in um, gets picked up by the UPP uh, there was a uh, and this is like minor spoilers I know Scott's gonna listen to it but this is like in the first mm-hmm. five seconds uh, there's basically like a chest buster tried to get into Bishop before they put into cryosleep, but obviously there's nothing to latch onto because it's a he's an android. Yeah, and then when they come out of cryosleep, there's basically a, uh, a not chessmaster, a face hugger. So there's basically just like a face hugger that like unthaws when he comes out of cryosleep and just goes after the first organic, and then uh, yeah, all hell breaks loose. But yeah, so um, I, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing. That's ever happened to the Alien franchise, but it, it. I think it. It also would have been really It'll be far
2: from the worst.
0: Oh, absolutely far from the worst. And the thing that I think that like there's two things that are very noteworthy about this production piece. Um The first is that even in this 1987 or 88 script, whenever it was being written, they reference like kind of the black goo that Prometheus and
2: yeah Comey get
0: into 100%, dude. It's there. It. It's. They start to talk about like that the alien is trying to like transpose itself airborne, and there's like a black thing, and people can get like infected and like go body out, out of a chestburster. And are like, you supposing
2: that Ridley Scott got his hands into that material?
0: I I'm almost certain he did, huh. and and possibly like that was the plan all along, right? Like if this was actually. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying it might have greatly evolved over the next thirty years. Right, but it years. wasn't written by
2: Ridley Scott, right?
0: It wasn't written by Ridley Scott. It was written by William Gibson. Right. But I mean, but at the same time, like, if you're gonna steal from somebody,
2: yo, steal from the man.
0: But also, it might have just been like agreed upon mythology in terms of where the franchise was heading, one way or the other. And the other, and the, another thing that they mentioned is they were like, like they, there's actually like a whole line of dialogue because this is the first time, um, I guess that there's a real, like, research base that has kind of access to xenomorph DNA, right? Like, it's, we had, like, a, the my, the mining ship in Alien 1, and then it's, like, a, a random, like, uh, Hadley's Hope is just, like, a random colony in Aliens. So now this is the first time. And right. they're, like, they're 100%. They're, like, this, like, the genetic code of the xenomorph is 100% engineered. They were, like, nature would never make this, ever. So they hmm. also, like foreshadow that where they get to too so it it does seem like like this script makes some of the stuff that goes on in Prometheus and Covenant seem less crazy like in a weird way
2: it does like it, it's like, almost like uh what's his name had this in his head that this was actually canon all along yeah kind of like yeah. and, and it it I'm just saying because it, it's they're both
0: like i I I recommend both of you guys go and and listen to it. It's about It's a two-hour listen if you get your hands on it. But it's a video on YouTube,
2: right? Where they uh, mounted it to the cartoon. Yeah, they mounted.
0: Yeah, they mounted to the comic strip. Um, and the comic strip I heard is hot garbage and involves like Newt blasting people with an assault rifle and stuff. Like it's yeah, they they take they take a lot of creative liberties in the comic book. Uh, And I was like, Mm -hmm. because I heard the comic was like the comic based on Gibson's alien was hot trash but then i heard about this uh, radio play thing that audible did and it was it was real good yeah. uh but then the other thing that i thought was very interesting not necessarily in terms of mythos but it would have been um like how alien was like the horror film and then aliens was like the military film this was like borderline cold war thriller film so it would have like followed in the sequence of like Kind of like genre splicing that the franchise was doing instead of Alien 3, where they were like, it's like Alien again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's totally which are, like which, a genre splicing thing. I think Terminator did the same thing too, right? Like, just it sure. started small and then went, you know. For sure, but I, I just thought it was just like a very, like, at the
0: time, the franchise was not necessarily like, locked in the way it seems now yeah yeah you know like you gotta like flash back to like aliens had just come out and now you're like we have a lot of ideas about what an alien movie is and isn't and whatever and like you need to play by those rules but those rules weren't set in the first after the first two and i know scott and i were talking about this directly like alien like alien and aliens and terminator and terminator 2 are like excellent counterpoints right it's like if the In the first one there's just one and it's more about tension and getting hunted by the one in the second it's way more action and everything is different but it's like the same they both kind of follow that same beats but i thought it'd be interesting it's just really weird
1: it's just really weird that the first terminator is also directed by james cameron (laughs) like yeah it would be really like alien directed by ridley scott tense dark small james cameron comes in makes a big action movie yeah james cameron comes in makes a big action movie when he makes t2 but He's stepping over his own feet on that franchise. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But that's okay because he keeps
2: on stepping on his feet over and over and over again. Y'all I, ready I, for the Avatar verse? Well, I was going to say Genesis. <laughs> Wasn't he executive uh, yeah, he was producing involved in that somehow? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, did that one hurt? Mm-hmm. Man, the the bad boys sting. What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway, I,
0: either way. Uh... And I mean, and even Gibson went out and said this is not even like what I would consider a finished product and whatever. So it's like this is just, I guess, close to maybe what Alien Three could have been. And I mean, and like I said, it also addresses one of the one of the, the 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 sins of Alien Three that Scott hates so much, which is is bouncing bouncing characters off off screen. Like it, it yep. like Ripley is there; she's present; she's in a coma for most of the time. But then, like Newt. Bishop and Hicks are like central characters in the film because they got to survive the second one, you know, like, yeah, which is, I think one of the biggest bummers uh, out of alien three, but yeah. So, and then, and another reason why alien three was complete garbage was they went into production. So shortly after the writing strike and not only was it like Fincher kind of saying yes to everything as they discussed, like he, they actually started filming without a finished script right on alien three. And it was like, Famously, the script was, like, mashed out in, like, 30 days by some guy. Like, it was...
2: Did you look at the um, uh, the, the teardown that he wrote? Adventure? No. Oh, I, I, I thought I looked, linked it in the uh, thread. It's bad, uh, really understand. good. There's, like, 20 pages that he wrote somewhere about how he, like, really regrets a lot of what happened. He was a young director. He, you know, he never would have let it get away from him like it did.
3: Interesting yeah.
0: stuff. Yeah. For sure. But all that... After watching all that alien stuff, I watched Underwater with uh, Kristen Stewart. <clears throat> uh, really, really good. <laughs> like, in terms of if you just like, if you like that tense um, kind of vibe that's going on, I, I guess I would say that it, it's so here, like, so here's the setting it's like an underwater drilling site and uh, like an earthquake or something kind of hits off and we're talking in like the first five minutes it's like kirsten stewart is like it's like nighttime at the station or whatever the drilling site is uh somewhere in like i don't know if it's in the mariana trench or something like that like and then deep underwater also gets terrifying like in the opening credits they're kind of like showing some of the like terrifying statistics of being like a mile or two underwater when there's like three thousand pounds of pressure per square inch is the like force of the water you know like, that's like maybe worse than space. I don't even know. You know,
1: I mean, I've seen the abyss.
0: Like, what is scarier? Like, thousands of pounds of square inches on your on your body, or just exploding out into the vacuum of space? Like, it's as I mean, hostile. You know, <laughs>
1: like yeah. it's basically the same thing. Walls. Yeah, break, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. That's it. But it's like Reverse. Yeah, like reverse, but but exactly, it's just like it's it's a, it's a great scene actually right at the beginning. It's like her walking down a hallway and she just sees like some water dripping down from the thing and then like she is in immediate panic and running. And you're like, yeah, cuz if there's a leak, there's that much like water pressure is pushing down on something. It's not like right. whatever is that leak is it's not going to hold. It would be like the same thing for space. And it's like you just see the the hallway just like crumples on itself, right? Like and then Yeah, it does not mess around. Like, in terms of, like, that happens, and then it's just sort of, like, and now everybody is in survival mode for the rest of the movie. Like, I think it's about an hour 40. Like, there's no exposition. You're, like, there's a drilling thing underwater, and you're, like, and now everything is screwed up. Super high-tension thriller? Yeah, it's a super high-tension thriller. A little bit of comedy. Like, TJ Miller is in there for a Mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, But, like, and definitely, like... Though the characters play a lot like the like uh, T.J. Miller's character, and there's another actor, another kind of comedic actor, they're I think supposed to they're kind of like play like the roughneck types, like very much um, uh, fall into the Bill Paxton aliens role of kind of like this is screwed, this is screwed, guys. Are you? Am I right? Like you know, like just kind of like not, game over, like, man. Yeah, exactly. Like one one step away from game over, man is like half their dialogue, <laughs> like which is like still kind of fun. You know, like, in that scenario, seeing the guy kind of panic and stuff. But, uh, and yeah, and then it it also does the alien thing of not really having a reveal. Like, at, at the beginning, you're just sort of like, oh, it was just like an accident. And they need to just sort of, like, get to the escape pods because the entire station might kind of crank down. Like, they don't even just bust out that it was, like, that it's a monster or whatever that's doing it. And there's just kind of, like, a very slow reveal on the monster and then like, there's only a reveal on the monster in like the last 10, 15 minutes. Like it gets its pacing straight out of alien kind of thing. Like, yeah, I would, I would give it a, does nothing like new, but in terms of like, I'm going to write an homage to alien, like (laughs) good enough. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like absolutely watchable. Like if you enjoyed alien, I would recommend it to both of you guys to watch it is not the masterpiece visually or anything of alien, but it's just like, it's a completely like competent tribute to an alien film just happens to take place underwater instead of space. Cool. Underwater starring Kirsten Stewart. Cool. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to rank it or?
1: Yeah, let's put it on the list.
0: I was going to say, or if any of you guys are going to watch it in the next, uh, short period we could hold off um i'm yeah. sh- 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 looking into it i'm seeing it a- maybe around rogue one and maybe above edge of 17 and below you rogue really one. liked
2: rogue one didn't you
0: i did i mean this movie's good like i said it was quiet place which would like locked me in i was like it goes under quiet place and then I was like, and then I went down and I was like, and it's better than Star Wars. so and, and it's better than Ready Player One. So that was kind of my zone.
2: Great. Great.
0: Below Quiet Place, above Edge of 17. Like, I think that would be, that's my spot right on. for it. Yeah. Really good. Also, um, in a fun twist, has the, like, we need to get into like underwear to get into spacesuits, which is like kind of like the callback to we need to be in underwear in in sleep. So you mm-hmm. do get to see some ladies in underwear, but then you also get to see T.J. Miller in underwear, which I thought was just like a the nice barrel. like like guess what? They're all in underwear. It's not just Sigourney Weaver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it was a bit. No, no, in Alien, all in is? underwear.
0: Yeah, you get to see that. Yeah, but it's only like Sigourney that gets to like run around in it for like a very long time.
1: No, when they wake up from cryosleep, all of the Marines are are in their jockeys. That's true. They start Howdy working whiteys.
0: out. Yeah, tidy Whitey's all around. Yeah, but those underwear were so small and poor Sigourney, so weird. They're the so, worst underwear in history. I
1: mean, you know, they caught them on a bad day. They thought they were going home. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Maybe that's I feel the that when, last pair.
2: You know? Yeah, that's what She's I'm saying. She's been out there for five years. She's run out. When I feel go about, like. You cryosleep,
1: you're like, I'll just do laundry when I get home. Exactly. Before going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, I was like, but
0: like, you go into cryosleep, you don't necessarily know the exact circumstances of waking up. It might be in front of a stranger. I feel like it's one of those, like, wear clean underwear because you never know if you're going to, like, be in a car accident or whatever. Like, I feel the cryosleep. She's an oil rig worker. She does not even fuck what doesn't she I don't know uh Scott I also watched ready or not last night did you I
1: did what did you think of it I thought it was fun what is was ready, ready I... or not
0: the movie that Scott about... told us to watch
1: the horror movie <laughs> about the bride who has to play hide and go seek on the night of her wedding deal Sorry. with the
0: devil family made a deal with the devil, and like Scott talked I, about this last episode. I do, I
2: do recall. I, it did escape me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, the family makes a deal with the devil. Um, uh, in anyone who history. marries
1: into the family has to play a game with the family. Yeah, right? and, and most of the time of the games time are mundane. Yeah, except when you play hide and seek, and then it's to the death. Yeah. And yeah. if she is not killed by dawn, in the ritual. Then everyone in the family will die at the hands or, of the so, well, devil. Well
0: so they think. They believe. Yes, yeah, so they believe. But they're like they have no like the the family is like enough generations removed from the from the pact made by the like great grandfather or whatever the heck that like no one is act like no one is alive who actually remembers making the pact with the devil. Yeah. So that is like a through line of the film is like, is this even real? <laughs> like are we just doing this because great grandfather was a crazy person? No. or are is our family actually in some sort of like deal with the devil? Yeah, no, a lot of fun
1: it's I, like, I would what if clue was a horror movie
0: kind of yeah, Sarah was like, is this like uh well thriller I guess like it's not there's not much horror like it's a dark comedy like mm,
1: the scene with her hand. Yeah, I'm not saying there's
0: no gore or anything, but, like, there's even, like, relatively few jump scares or anything. Like, it is very intense, and there's definitely some violence and some gore, and it's, like, it is very dark. I just don't know if it's, like, horror is the right thing. It doesn't seem to... The film is not trying to scare you at any time. No. It is trying to maybe make you feel uncomfortable. Like but it's not trying to, that's what I was saying. Like, I, don't, I, I hesitate calling it horror because I don't think the intention of the filmmaker is to scare me at any well, I mean, point in that film.
1: Sure. But I mean, not all horror is jump scares.
0: Oh yeah. But I mean, but even, but I didn't even feel like uneasy. Like I said, it, it plays much more into comedy than horror in a lot of ways. Like I would like dark, oh, dark comedy is definitely yeah. an easy way to describe this movie. Yeah. And, yeah, and Sarah, too, was like, oh, it's kind of like Clue. And I was like, it is kind of like Clue.
1: <laughs> like, in a weird way. Snappy dialogue and mm-hmm. mansion sets. It's a little bit like Clue. It's a little bit like Knives Out. And uh, a bunch of murder.
0: And a bunch of murder, yeah. And, the oh, man, the comedy with the... the I mean, John, I think you should watch it, because it is kind of fun, and we both watch yeah, it. Yeah. But, uh, but just the, like...
1: The, is is the crossbows minorest, and the arrows
0: and the the, the minor, minorest of minor spoilers. It's it's a billionaire family or whatever playing like a hunting human kind of game. Sure. So you can just imagine how well the like the help fares,
3: right? right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like just and it's it's just kind of this recurring thing that just keeps cropping up, and you're like, oh no, there's a maid in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just, you're yeah. like... <laughs> How's this gonna go down now? <laughs> like, yeah, right. yeah, the 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 help fully fully embodies the red shirts of the scenario. <laughs> like, great,
1: all right. John. You got it. You should watch it. So we'll wait till you watch. Okay, it. Okay, uh, okay. I'm gonna do it. To, hey. uh, rank it because it is it's fun. Like, yeah, yeah. I really liked it. Riss really liked it. Her dialogue was great. Again, she also
0: has right at the end. um when she pulls away from one of her would-be assailants, has I one of my I think all-time like a standout scream. Yeah, Le- like like a, a scream like a like newt
1: a, a new level scream. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, like Sarah and I were both like, "Whoa!" Like that was a scream and a half that comes out of that actress's lungs. Yep. Like, and and that's saying something, I think, from like the the volume of horror film that I've witnessed. <laughs> In my life for oh, me to Jim, be like Jamie Lee
1: Curtis and Halloween yeah Newton yeah. Newt aliens and I mean maybe that that lady
0: <laughs> like like John I it's I, I really hope you watch it and then you will know that this is coming <laughs> and then you'll be like, whoa like in terms of like she just like recoils and screams and it's something like unlike anything you've ever heard before it's Excellent. you're like what you're like, what the heck happened? It's like very good. Uh, John, did you do? Did you do your homework assignment? I did not. I watched the first five minutes of it. Okay, yeah. and then stopped. Oh boy, it's very bad. Mm-hmm. I was just like, if you're, if for some reason you've forgotten, listener, John has to watch the Love Guru in at, at some point in the future
2: yeah and I yeah, I you know what happened. I like turned on YouTube and I was like, Okay, let's see how much it is, and they want six dollars for it. makes right. me feel real bad. I mean,
0: you're supporting mostly a good cast.
2: Uh, but I, I feel like the money's gonna go. I don't know who was responsible for it, but... Mike Myers. yeah, yeah Mark see, Myers.
1: He's okay yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair actor producer writer like it's going to mike myers for sure yeah
2: anyway so you're saying it's terrible i watched like the first
0: five minutes and i was like oh no and again and and it's one of those things that is just like how like within the first five minutes you have mike myers who shows up and spouts some like awful bullshit comedy air quotes on comedy and
2: stuff right like that's the joke most of the time
0: Sure, yeah. It, although it does establish that he's American, like he's not actually like doing brownface, okay. or, right. right, or anything. Right. At the at the very least, um. But then, like immediately, in terms of just like wasted comedic talent, cuts away to hockey night in Canada as uh, hosted by like Jim Gaffigan and Stephen Colbert, and I'm like, I was just like, immediately. Like doing like weird, like hockey stuff that was like kind of half chuckle worthy, but not nearly. And I was just sort of like, I've just watched like three comedic, like not necessarily Titans, but like all like adept comedians, just professionals, just fire blanks one after the other for like several minutes straight. Like I was, <laughs> like, like, I was like, Oh no. Like, oh man. It's so weird. But yeah. Uh I'm I maybe will maybe figure it out and and do a a night uh um, together. Yeah. It's uh terrible. Like oh man. And of course and then yeah, I watched like the full length trailer trailer and of course Vernon Troyer's in it and of course they just make fun of him for being little. Huh? Remember it's those terrible. jokes yeah. from from Austin Powers how he's little? Hmm um so what else we got we have a couple more minutes to wrap it up is there anything hot hot on the lips of uh scott and john
1: hot no i watched a bunch of old movies mm. we can talk about one and put it on the list if you want
0: if you like john do you i i know you have not don't have your the best microphone so you've been a little more quiet this episode is there anything that is that is itching or are we going to hit uh Scott told movies.
2: We can hit Scott's. I, I watched Sucker Punch. I never watched it years ago because I, 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 like, I don't know. I heard it, that it was terrible, and what you said about it, Keith, you kind of sold it in a sense, a little bit like the Wachowski Speed Racer, that it was, like, kind of a fun visual feast if you let it go. Yeah. Anyway, totally didn't work for me. I think I didn't even finish it. Huh. Yeah.
1: Keith is the only person I've ever heard who speaks fondly of Sucker Punch. It's a bad movie.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I list it's everybody. like
0: it's kind of like, like I said, a little bit like that speed the speed racer thing. And, and again, I I think that's a pretty good analogy because I did not think speed racer was a good movie.
1: No. like but but there was something there to enjoy that sucker punch. Right.
2: You know have. I, I don't know. Do you
1: know what sucker punch is, Keith? Sucker punch is the Marvel ninety four swimsuit issue. It's just yeah, that's gross. But with a good
0: soundtrack though.
1: Like I, it's sure, like, yeah. The, that I Marvel like ninety five issue has some great artists on it. Like they're still drawing pictures of, of Psylocke and Rogue in bikinis. And you're just like, hmm, this is why people don't like people who become. Maybe
0: I need to revisit <laughs> Sucker Punch. It's on. It's on one of the services right now, isn't it? I think it's on. Maybe yeah, on yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, because I like I, I saw Sucker Punch in theaters. I remember, and the whole world hated it. <laughs> and I was like, it was just like a bunch of fun music videos kind of strung together. With, like, girls shooting up stuff. But they weren't like, that fun. I
2: don't
0: know. I, got, I mean, maybe I'll go okay, back. anyway, I don't, I don't want to linger on this thing. I didn't even
2: finish it, so I don't feel really... Oh, no, for
0: sure, but maybe I'll go back. Because, like, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. I went to go see it with Sarah. And Sarah and I were both, like... I think we saw it on Netflix the other day. And we were like,
2: oh, yeah, Sucker Punch was all right.
0: Like, we both had that, yeah. like... We both had that memory of it being, like, it was kind of garbage, but, like, fun garbage. Now you're telling me it's not even fun garbage.
1: Yeah.
0: Ah... Uh, Scott, you want to tell us about some old films, old movies?
1: Sure. Uh, from the you 90s, want... you know, way you want... back, way back way. You want the one from the 90s or the one from the 80s? I don't
2: know. They're both They're such good, good choices.
1: choices. Uh, such I watched decades. two, two like culty uh, movies. I'm sure you guys have seen them both, so. Oh, but while just pick, you... just pick one.
0: I was going to say uh nice. before we do just before we do that, right. um since you just watched The Alien, are you inclined to um, like, like try to push it down? Or are you okay with it sitting at five? Uh,
1: that's not a fight I really care to have, considering what's below it. Like The Matrix, Back to the Future, Days and Confused. I can't really push any of those ones up ahead of it. Mm. If I right do on. get something that does shoot for the top. Then I think I will have more arguments to make about a really great right. movie going ahead of it. But like, it's not, it's not going to push anything else down. Right. I, I, I like Aliens better, but I think Alien is still really well crafted. Right. The, the attention to detail for that movie, without knowing it was going to be the kickstart of a huge franchise, is great. A-plus. It's good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: uh, so what, what movies John said,
1: John said then the nineties. So I watched also last night, one of my all time favorite movies, the 13th warrior.
0: Oh yes. Yes. When you said last night, I was really hoping you'd watch the last
1: night. I have seen that, but I did not watch it in the last 24 hours, uh, directed by John McTiernan. Um, produced by McTiernan and Michael Crichton, based on a book by Michael Crichton called The Eaters of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I goddamn have always loved The 13th Warrior and truly, truly needed to sit down and, and spend some time with it during these times.
0: These, these uncertain, these unprecedented times.
1: You'll know John McTiernan because... Uh, He directed Predator, he directed Die Hard, he directed The Hunt for Red October, Mm -hmm. he directed uh, The Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Thomas Crown Affair, and then he directed the Rollerball remake in 2002. And then his career was over. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But uh, in the middle there, in 1999, he directed The 13th Warrior, starring um, Antonio Banderas. And this movie held up wonderfully. It is such a good movie that was a financial bomb. Looking at the numbers now, it cost $160 million to make, including marketing costs, and grow 61 at the box office. Ooh. It is a very strange movie to spend that much money on, considering it's one of the only movies I've ever seen where the main character is not the hero of the movie. He's really just a witness watching the action happen and taking part in it when he can. It's fucking weird. It makes for wonderful framing in the book. Yeah, in the the book, if you've never read it, is kind of dry. It's basically the story of uh, an Arabic poet who gets exiled from his land and has to roam across Europe until he ends up hooking up with a band of vikings who then get sent on a quest to um kill monsters that are tormenting one of the kingdoms further north in scandinavia and he kind of gets roped into this adventure unwittingly and witnesses some great acts of horror and heroism on on this mission McTiernan takes that story that was like written kind of like a historical artifact and makes it into a huge action movie that works better, I think, than the book did.
0: Really? You know what I think happened? I I do, yeah. I feel that what happened here was that the Thirteenth Warrior fell victim to nineteen ninety nine. Holy crap, nineteen ninety nine was had a bunch of movies in it. Okay, the Matrix yeah, Ma- Matrix oh, comes out in March. Mm-hmm. Exactly, Matrix comes out in March. But I'm even like looking into the like into the summer, The Mummy. Wow. Then mm-hmm. yeah. comes out uh, Star Wars Episode One comes out, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which I'm not like Tarzan came out, which again is was like a Disney movie. But I'm saying it still was still pretty big. Run Lola Run One came out. South Park: Bigger, Longer, and Uncut came out. Wild Wild West came out. American Pie. Blair Witch Project, Eyes Wide Shut, like movies came out (laughs) in 1999. Mm -hmm. Oh man, oh I can tell you exactly what happened to the Thirteenth Warrior. Is that it came out two weeks after the Sixth Sense? Like, yeah, Yeah, one of the and the Sixth Sense was one of those like must-watch movies, right? Both 1999 had Blair Witch Project and Sixth Sense, which both had those viral like. This is a whole thing, and then two weeks later. The Thirteenth Warrior came out after Six Sense, and I feel that Six Sense was still probably like, the hottest thing on the planet at that point. Like that's and that's a lot of movies. Like, and then it comes out in August. Wow, that's yeah, nuts. Uh, the Thirteenth Warrior. And, and, and then, the like a month a month later, Fight Club comes out. Like, no chance to recoup. Yeah, exactly. Are, it's not. Those are two
1: have to go see them. Big plot twist movies. And even
0: in the like. And, and then and then after Fight Club being John Malkovich comes out. Like so it's that was drawing a great year. Damn. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I remember like, going to
2: see most of those in theaters. Yeah. Like every week you'd go to something.
0: Yeah, that's it. And then it, exactly that's it. You're then you're just <laughs> and then by November, Toy Story's out. Like you're yeah, you're sorry, Thirteenth Warrior.
1: <laughs> I mean, you'd think that it would be okay. You know, it's got a big star headlining it. It's a Michael Creighton book. At the height movie. of his powers, right? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, Big time action movie director. Uh, no one oh. else you've ever heard of is in the movie outside of Antonio Bender's. <laughs> they cast I mean, a completely Scandinavian cast of Vikings. Like they didn't get a bunch of people you knew to play them. They just. Real live Vikings. Real live Vikings.
0: Um, it has, uh, what's his name? Omar Sharif in it. Yeah.
1: For the first 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. But he's like, he's in Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> sure. And Lawrence of Arabia. He was
1: nominated for
0: an Academy Award in Lawrence of Arabia. I was like, I know this name, but yeah, I recognize him from Dr. Zhivago because my mother
2: watched Dr. Zhivago. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you're looking at the Wikipedia page, he's listed there as starring. He is you know, he's in it, it for five there. seconds. He's like the old guy at the beginning. Yeah, he's the translator until he gets shifted aside before any of the action happens. Exactly. It's been a while yeah. for me. This happens
2: literally in the first scene, right? Up there, yeah.
1: yeah okay. No, no, there's... first the first three, ten minutes, three scenes. Yeah, it's the okay. first ten minutes. There's like three or four scenes.
3: Yeah.
1: He he translates for uh, Antonio Banderas until the quest has begun. Do you want to list this bad time. boy? Yes, I do. Uh,
0: looking at the films from 1999. Yeah, if I had to pick a single year, if if someone was like, "You can only watch movies from a single year," like 1999 would kind of be a frontrunner. Yep. Like, you just had like, you have like a Toy Story in there, Blair Witch, Thirteenth Warrior, like Fight Club, Mummy, the Matrix, Matrix. Like, I'm like, that's not. If you had to just be like, you can only watch the films from one year, 1999 might be it.
1: That's a project. We did say
2: Star Wars 1 was on that list, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that you have to watch every movie that came out in 1999. I'm just saying that, like, if you were, like, had to limit yourself to only watching movies that came out in a single year, like...
2: That would be a really interesting thought experiment. That
0: would be the best year. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, just looking at this list, 1999 would be, like...
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely a front runner. Like, like I'd have to obviously we'd have to go through <laughs> to to look at more, but like, holy crap, that's nuts. So Thirteenth Warrior, but yeah, what what is the Thirteenth Warrior about? Before you rank it, I mean, I know we've all watched it, but like, just to to give a synopsis for our listeners who, who I, I totally
1: did the the synopsis, man. It's about an Arabic poet. Who gets exiled from his right. land, meets Get up it. with a bunch of Viking warriors. Yeah, I know that's the back fight. of the box,
0: but I'm like, but then he like becomes like a hero and stuff, and then like
1: some of them. Yeah, he's die he's and... not spoiling it, yo. They have to fight from the. the we just discussed that it's from 21 years ago. They have to fight the Vendal, which are yeah. like Cannibal monsters. Basically. Yeah, and uh, they have been torturing this this kingdom in unnamed Scandinavia. What's
0: the quote that like? A quote that Jaime always quotes: "It uh, lo,
1: do I see my father before, I see my father before me?" me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, when they're doing the Viking funeral
1: at the end. Yeah, early in the movie, uh, the king dies, and they mm-hmm. witness a Viking funeral. And then at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, when it seems like they're all going to die in battle, mm-hmm. they turn this this ancient prayer into sort of a battle cry, mm-hmm. and it totally works. It's such a pump-up thing.
0: You're it's like, like one of those uh, things where you're like, if this gets mishandled, it'll be an incredibly cheesy, crappy scene.
2: The the pump-up line where he's like, I can't lift that thing, then grow stronger. Stronger.
1: Yeah. The way the Vikings treat um Ibn mm-hmm. throughout the movie is outstanding. Like they make fun of him, they treat him, they call him little brother, and he kind of never really Gets beyond being their little brother. He kind of earns their respect, but doesn't surpass any of them with anything. Yeah,
0: like he, he never like ascends. Like he like, just yeah, becomes, you're little brother. Good job. He grows slightly competent. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, he proves his worth of standing with them and yeah, does so. Right he never becomes start. Neo. Yeah, but he never surpasses them to become the hero. Like the hero is always uh, King Beowulf. Yeah, and. Like that's super weird in a movie. <laughs> like it'd be like watching the Matrix, except it's all from Mouse's point of view.
0: That's like almost famous.
1: I,
2: I really want to see that movie.
1: It, Matrix like, from
2: Mouse's point of view? Absolutely. Or from <laughs> anybody else who's who's like a normal hacker? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Just like regular ass. Somebody who breaks out, there. obviously. Yeah. Sure. That'd be fun. Okay, anyway, so where are we at with this one? Terminator two.
1: So I'm looking at, like, number 28, being John Malkovich.
0: Also from 1999. Mm-hmm. And we have a bunch down, of movies on 1999 on this list already. Going
1: down a bit, The Mummy. Like, I wouldn't be sad if it was right next to The Mummy.
2: I feel Above like too. It, it was still a dumb action movie, right? Yeah, I mean, quotable, like it was still fun, right. but, like...
0: You're like it was still a dumb action movie. We're like three spots below what we're talking about is Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> <laughs> like the very definition, right. of a dumb
3: okay. action movie.
1: What do you think of just above Big Trouble in Little China, just under Into the Spider Verse?
2: Mm-hmm. Better than Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Yeah, I'd watch. I'd watch The Thirteenth Warrior again tonight. Oof, I don't Trouble. know. Per- like my my gut.
0: Says under JoJo, is where I would put Thirteenth
2: Warrior. He's uh, seen yeah, it a little more recently than us. I actually think he might be right. I don't hate that, but would it? But would it bump? Like I said, maybe above JoJo,
0: but like I, I have a hard time going above Big Trouble. Like just because they operate in like in s- not not similar head spaces, but like in similar like fun yep. spaces, and like mm-hmm. I w- I'm the opposite of Scott, like I would take big trouble over 13th warrior any, any day. If someone was like, I have these two movies on VHS, which one do I pop in?
3: (laughs) I would be like,
1: I get that. There's, there's like weird things in the 13th warrior. There are, there are almost no female characters that Mm -hmm. have any import in this movie. Um, The villains are not as compelling.
0: Yeah, like, and that's it. Like, big big trouble is still like, like big trouble is one of those like, wait, like if you like here, this is my like I said, I, I I'll put it above JoJo, uh, but I was like, yeah, if yeah. you were if you were just like with someone and you're talking about movies and they had not had seen neither of them, which one do you put in first? That's a and good argument. Is, like,
1: I would probably choose Big Trouble. That's yeah, big, a good yeah, gap. Yeah, yeah, your... yeah, that's it. Cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's a good argument, and that's that's a true argument that I agree with. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen both of them, you probably should see Big Trouble first.
0: Yeah, and I would and I would say that like you should arguably see both of them before Jojo Rabbit.
1: <laughs> like, I mean, John McTiernan is a good action movie director. Like, I mean, he reinvented. He action together,
0: movies. yeah, and he did a lot. Yeah, exactly. Went, like Die Hard wasn't like a mistake. Like he then made a bunch of good action movies. Yeah. Yep, good stuff.
1: Cool, I like it. Put it right there.
0: All right. Hang on. I, I realized that I was taking the notes on this episode. Uh, <laughs> so, 13th Warrior goes in between Big Trouble and Jojo Rabbit. And where did we rank underwater?
1: We didn't. John's going to watch it. Yep. I thought I did.
0: I was like, I thought it was, good. yeah, I have it underneath Quiet Place, but we, yeah, John O should watch it. Okay. So we'll, we'll wait on the, we'll wait on the ranking for that. Uh, any other pressing issues before we end this lovely recording? Friend, chums,
2: friends of mine. Any news from the medical world, Scott? How, how are things holding up? How are you
1: holding up? Um, yeah, so I don't, I talked about it on Facebook, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast. I got tested for COVID-19. Hmm. I got. Did you pass? Yes, flying colors. Yay! Wait, valedictorian of infectious diseases. Uh, Yeah, no, I got a chest cold. I'm I'm not positive for the COVID, but when you work at the hospital, any symptoms have to be treated differently Mm -hmm. than you were just able to stay at home. Because if I had been positive, there was a chance I would have infected a number of other healthcare professionals who could have infected a number of compromised patients
0: and reduced so, our like pool of healthcare professionals.
1: Yep. All uh, that. Yeah. My experience getting tested was very positive except for the results, but uh, I'm hey. bump. It was super quick and super easy. And um, I was in and out of there relatively quickly. There is something interesting because I do not drive and I do not own a car. When you are not sure if you are infected and there is a chance you are, you're not supposed to take public transit. Yeah. So when the nurse said, come into the hospital and get tested, I was like, huh,
0: how? It's interesting. Incidentally, um, the communoto service that Montreal has, they're like, we understand that because of that, some of you might be using a Communautoe to go get tested. And they were like, that's okay. You just tell us. And then the car, like, locks down after you use it and will not be unlocked until they fully, like, disinfect the thing. So like, so, you can't... What,
2: so Debbie and I did that when we yeah. went to go get tested. Yep. And um, they left the, the terminal toll outside in front of our place for, like, six days after before sending somebody in to go and clean. it. Yep. Yep. Um, and I saw him do the cleaning, and it was actually pretty thorough. So it felt yep. pretty good. We actually yeah, used and, the but, terminal but it's also terminal nice that you can't, like... To...
0: Yeah, but it's nice that you, like even the fact that they come in and clean it and it's pretty thorough is obviously like a plus, but it's also nice that you can't just like jump in immediately. Like it's like, no, they like, they block it. They lock it down until it gets clean. You know, like they also and,
2: lock your community account until you call them with negative results.
1: <laughs> oh, that's
0: also sick. So like, right. like, so you can't get into other ones. Like exactly. You,
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had to walk to the hospital. Oof. <laughs> yeah. So what with normally takes about, with a chest cold so it normally takes me and the stress of like oh is this not a chest cold i don't know all of a sudden the nurse is saying go get tested and you know i thought it was just gonna i didn't have a fever which was the one symptom which hits so many people uh yeah it took me more than double the amount of time to get to and from work Mm -hmm. while i wasn't feeling well and i can only imagine how much that would suck for someone who doesn't live you know a good 25 minutes away from from the hospital well i mean
0: there was i guess because if you're well you were you work at the hospital to be fair but like i know like they're they've been having there was one in my neighborhood here on friday whatever they've been having some mobile test centers kind of set up all around town like it was just one that was literally like a block away from me so i guess there's those like i think they're trying
1: yeah i mean like i'm walking to and from work as much as i can now anyways because mm-hmm. People on public transit are awful. They're just terrible,
0: dude. And I mean, I guess this is I. I feel will become the constant of this podcast. Is that's like mm-hmm. Sarah and I like took the dog out for a walk, uh, and we were like, today was a pretty nice. Like, typically we don't necessarily wear face masks on a walk. It's open air, and we can just keep six foot distance. Yep. But we were like, it's not, and it's not necessarily required. But we were like, you know what? It's a nice day out uh there's probably a gazillion people out and boy was there a gazillion people out because it was a nice day and i think that we went on like the took the dog on about like a half an hour walk kind of through in and around point saint charles and i think maybe we saw two or three people wearing masks total we saw groups of like seven or eight people in very close proximity all just chilling and having a picnic
1: yeah people in my back alley had a block party this weekend. Yeah, like,
0: uh, it's just like and like and I'm not saying like everyone's like, What are we not supposed to see our friends? I saw one uh, group of people, there was two couples, and I I was like, I literally I, I felt I, it made me happy. They were like, say like you and me are because we're a couple, and then Sarah and Pac-Man who are another couple, right? but it was just like both couples were there and then they had their bikes, because I guess they had biked together, like in between them. And I was like, Thumbs up, you people. Like I was like, yeah. you, you're not going to close that distance. There's like literally four bicycles separating the two couples. I was like, you're okay. You're out in public and you have bicycles in between you. And it's a very easy visual reminder that you guys are not going to forget. You set your bicycles okay. down. Yes. In between you. Just it's dude. I just, it is infuriating to me because everybody that I see in close proximity, I like imagine that it's just another month of this because of them.
1: Dude, the numbers are not slowing down,
0: you know, like Canadian I'm like,
1: like again, I really feel like Montreal is the cool hit place, uh no, we're now the dumb Canadian city, mm-hmm. like it's, it's so stupid,
0: yeah, like the Montreal, the Montreal numbers are like like nowhere near flat, like the incline is less steep, but like we're nowhere near flat, and everyone is like. It was a long weekend this weekend, and everybody's just out and about, and I'm like, just wear the freaking masks and do the thing and just put some distance between people. Like, I'm like, if you want this to be over by any time, or over, if you want this to be, like, half over by, like, any time so you can half enjoy the summer in any stretch, just freaking do the thing. And meanwhile, you heard about Wisconsin? Wisconsin, no. Wisconsin the uh the supreme court of wisconsin overturned all COVID 19 uh rulings as unenforceable oh, yeah. so bars and stuff literally opened up 15 minutes after the ruling came in and were
1: packed and the deciding judge on the supreme court was someone who lost his reelection bid but hasn't been replaced yet Ew. that's
0: horrible and like uh know some people who with family and stuff in Wisconsin and they were like, Oh, but it's not that bad. We only have like like a hundred something cases or whatever in the entire state. And they're like, you know, there was a period of time where like New York only had a hundred something
1: cases, like what are you talking about? Like Quebec Quebec has over almost half the Canadian cases and over half the deaths.
2: You know, Legault says May twenty fifth they're opening most retail, right? Today? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. Which I don't like again
0: and it, and it's the the problem with all of this is that it's that we can't like opening retail doesn't make me as uncomfortable if they were like we're opening retail and you can only have x amount of people per square feet and masks and shit are mandatory. I'm like, okay, that's how we're gonna keep the economy like I can go into a grocery store and they can enforce six feet apart from me and all that stuff. I'm right, not you can't I'm gonna... make masks mandatory
2: and people don't know how to use them. And but, but the thing,
0: and, and the thing right. is, I don't understand why we can't make masks mandatory. We made like stores don't let you in without a shirt on, you know? And I'm like, we've decided that we can do that. If you're wearing no shirt, they don't let you into most stores. You know? And that's not like a law. Hey. That's just the st- what? Okay. What's, what is your leg to stand on? If you're not wearing a shirt, you can't go into H&M, John. You don't get to. How come they can't do that for masks? And I know it's not a law. Because
2: people don't know how to use masks. And the evidence is that people mostly spread virus on their face more when they use them.
0: Then people should learn how to wear masks. I'm sure we didn't know how to use shirts when Neanderthals invented
3: them or whatever. Like, and then people figured it out. <laughs>
1: people know how to wear seatbelts yeah we figured that out as a people
0: yep uh like i said i get it it's hard it's tricky it's there's a like a big education like that needs to happen but i don't understand why it's not happening and we're just gonna what was there was like a meme or whatever kicking around where they're like They're they're not opening up stores because it's safe. They're opening up stores because they value the like stability of the economy more than your life.
3: Like
0: but you can take control of that by valuing your life and the life of others around you by like taking the proper things and like if like keeping six feet apart is a two person game and like the amount of people that just like come up into my like personal space while walking on the sidewalk when there's no reason for it. You're like, what are you doing? It's so easy to do the right thing. Why are you not doing it? And that's the part that I think just drives me up the freaking wall. Yeah. Drives me up the wall guys.
1: No, I mean, I agree with you. Like I've been into businesses that are open and, and I have treated it very well.
0: I was in a depth, um, over the weekend. Uh, and they have like the arrows pointed on the floor. Like you usually see it at the grocery stores and stuff and you see people mm-hmm. ignoring and a guy just kind of like beeline towards and the lady behind the cache just yelled at him and said like, there's arrows on the floor, like yep. follow them. And I was like, a plus lady.
1: I'm I'm uh, telling you, if you guys haven't been go to bulk Barn. God damn. That place runs like a machine.
0: Yeah. We, we walked, uh, I walked by, uh, by a Bulk burn the other day and yeah, it was just,
1: eh. it was amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. And just like, again, it's the, it's to me, I, 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 it's weird, but like I, the onus is on the stores, where I was like, I wouldn't... If I wanted to pick up new bearings for my skateboard or whatever, and the skate shop was, like, sure. five people five people at a time and six feet in between everybody in there, I'd be like, okay, cool, you can reopen the skate shop, that's fine. You know, like, it's... We If we can all act know how to act in the store, you know, like, I'm like, yes, give an opportunity to these other businesses to maybe make some money to... Save the economy, but if that's the part that's bugging me. Is like, there is a way we can reopen things safely, and everyone's like, "Yeah, but I don't really care."
1: Exactly. Right. Anyways, wash your hands. I was yet. Wash Good your hands. Hand. Good,
3: Good
1: night. Hi, thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now.
0: If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those, or you could just, you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John.
2: If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you could get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of
1: know what we're doing. Not really. 9 <laughs> to blogs,
0: and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.